It is BNP Weekly episode 148. It is 10th of January 2022, which is so strange. It feels like March 2020 still. And it is such an old joke, but it still feels the same. So it's almost the weather is almost the same. So <laughs> yeah. And there's but, actually, let me check in the standard COVID time. Well, the website doesn't work. So there is there is um there is a website that that measures the current day. Like it says like March six hundred something twenty twenty twenty. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. Uh it, that's that's the feeling for sure. Um anyway, so we are in twenty twenty two. Um and we have a we're restarting again the show after the holiday break. How was the holiday? I had a break. <laughs> had a break. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was good. I was I didn't I didn't work for two weeks. I guess I was back work last week already on Monday. Yeah. Um, I go back to work. Um, sorted out my email within two hours or so. Like I didn't have any email because everybody else was going to. So overall, it was good time to take a step back from work. Uh, yeah. Um, watch movies, read books, play with kids, and then get back to work and think back of like what have I done last semester and what I'm gonna do, what I want to do next semester. So, yep. so overall, pretty good experience. And yep. you? Uh, well, I was actually working throughout the holiday. Well, not because of the on the public holidays, but on the normal days, which is actually super nice and sweet because there's uh, no new emails on every single day, um, and you actually have time to catch up on things. And people are not bothering you with the questions, so <laughs> there was fi- finally time to do some other stuff, which is really really good. And then, of course, family time when we were not working and the public holidays and all of that. So really really good as well. So. Really good. Uh, I've, we in Finland in general, we are always putting the holidays on summer because hey, it's dark throughout the winter. Why would you have vacation time? Well, why not actually? Well, but, depending on what you want to do, right? I mean, exactly. your hobby. Imagine your hobby is reading books, cross country, skiing at night. Well, hmm. then winter time is the perfect time to do it. That is true. That's true. That is that is a good point, actually. <laughs> Fair point. And we have enough snow even in Helsinki to do that, which is uh, not actually quite not, rare. I don't so. think I don't think we will have snow. So, like, I think two weeks ago I changed tires in my car because it was colder, and now temperatures are around plus ten, plus eight Celsius. Like, so why did I change the tires again? <laughs> But well, better this way. So it's safety, safety first. Always. Well, yeah, exactly. Because then all of the out of the blue, we will have like plus three, minus one. And you're like, ah, exactly. yeah, for that one exactly. day, I'm safe. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Precisely. Anyway, today uh, on this episode of 148, uh, we have Carmen Yuzuan joining us from the Cubix 365 company. Um, she is a power platform architect. And we, we actually talk about the fact that what does that mean and what does she do for a living as well? And she is one of the newest MVPs uh, as well. So she got awarded by MVP in the 2nd of January 2022, not the first, the second of January. So we'll we'll actually jump into the interview right away, and then we'll come back on the our new articles after that. So welcome, Carmen, joining us on the BMP Weekly uh, episode 148. Uh, this is like season seven or something, if we think about the semesters. Uh, well. Anyway, so yeah, this is how well we are prepared with Waldeck. Um, so thank you, Carmen, for accepting the invite. Can you do a quick intro? Who are you and what are you doing for living? Let's start yes. from there. Uh, well, thank you for having me. I'm Carmen. I'm a Power Platform Architect at Cubix based in Belgium. I 
do public speaking for the community. I have a blog. And since the beginning of this year, I have been awarded um, MVP in the business applications category. So I'm very excited about that as well. Congratulations on getting that. So that's Thank that's you. a great, great way of starting the year, right? So getting the first email in on the 1st of January and then it's like, yeah. Yes, yeah, <laughs> definitely. It was a great start to the year. Um, the uh, the program did delay with the day, I guess, because I only yeah, got it the 2nd of second. January. Which um, was still a Sunday, the, which was weird. Yes, so. yeah. Um, so the 1st is a holiday, but then the Sunday is a working day. Uh, whatever. I'm just happy that I got the email. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start actually on that one. Can you talk about how did you get to be an MVP? So what what does that mean for those who don't actually understand what is an MVP and how do how would you get an MVP? And plus, what does it actually mean to be an MVP? Yes. Um, so for me, what an MVP is is someone who contributes to the community in a significant way, who likes to share their knowledge. Um, and before I was an MVP, it's also people that, uh, and I still do, I, I, you, I look up to a lot of fellow MVPs, I should say now, it's still strange, still getting used to all of that. Um, it's the people that you know have the knowledge about a certain topic, about the category that they are awarded in, um, and they are usually open to help you when you have an issue. Yeah. Um, what I personally do for the community is, like I mentioned, I like to speak at conferences where I like to share my knowledge. Um, I blog about um, problems that I encountered and how I solve them or cool ways to do certain stuff in Power Apps. And I am also building um, an open source solution together with um, a friend and fellow MVP of mine, Louise Freza, Provision Genie, which is also, I think, a huge contribution that we do. Um, so that's what it's like for me to be an MVP or what I do to sort of earn that um, award, I would say. Yeah, and it's, it's really the, the, I think the sharing is caring is, is really fundamentally what, what everything is all about. So helping others people to succeed and, and sharing your knowledge with others. Now I have to come, you, you said that you, you're doing, for example, blocking, which for whatever reason we're seeing blocking not to happen necessarily as much as it was happening in the past. Maybe it's again happening more and more. Uh, why are you, just out of curiosity, why, why do you use the blocking as a medium for sharing your knowledge? Uh, I like to write because it gives me time to think about how I want to say things, um, how to formulate it. It's also something that is easily referenced by other people. I prefer blogs over videos personally when I'm getting into new stuff as well, because then I can go back easily and I can read yep. through it. Um, I can copy paste things. Um, so I guess that's why I prefer blogging. I, I I don't see myself starting a YouTube channel, but never say never. Um, because I, I prefer <laughs> consuming written Twitch, content. Twitch, TikTok, well. <laughs> the power talk. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who knows? Who knows, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's why, why I blog, because it's my preferred way of consuming content as well. I think Scott Hanselman is an awesome example of a person who's been blocking and sharing a lot of his knowledge for the past in the years and decades already. And I think he had the, the right guidance at some point, which was a lot of people were asking questions and problems to solve from him. And he blogs because he doesn't actually want to answer the things one by one. But when as you've written 
that down, then you can always pinpoint to that example as well. And, and you were saying that you blog about the problems and things, how you solve them, um, and helping others to then learn from those things which you learn from, which is actually a great way of approaching that. So I'm I'm still trying to get back on the blocking scene. So it's just the timing is so hard. <laughs> you've you've been actually trying to do that for how many years now? I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you 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 have this one post from I don't know 2010 or something like that was referenced like it was the only post about uh, web, <laughs> except web, web templates. templates yes. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it web templates. Really matter somehow. how much you put out if it provides value. What you put out. That is true. That is true. Totally, totally. And actually, the the other day, I came across a post from the person who built WordPress. You know, like big guy in the in the scene and. I read, I came on his blog by chance and I read the way he writes. I was like, like, this is just like more like a diary note to self kind of thing. It's not the elaborate two weeks research diagrams, uh, long form code snippets of basically a full app architecture and specs. No, it's just like a few paragraphs of text sharing his ideas, his thoughts. And I, and I think there is value to that too. And we don't see that much of that in our space, at least. Like we typically see the, so I had this thing and then like the whole thing. And I guess maybe that also makes the bound or the threshold to enter already that high, right? Because like you see all of that and you're like, oh, well, but yeah, but yeah, if I, if I want to do that, it's going to take me a week for a single article, right? Yes, it's true that I also put a lot of time into making sure that my articles are well-written, that there is no, or, or as little ambiguity as possible, there are no unanswered questions, so it takes a lot of time. But um, there is someone, I think it's Peter Veenstra, he has a blog mm -hmm. as well. It's, is it the... Um, Share Paints, Paints, where he does write those shorter articles often, which are also useful because yep. he yeah. then answers a lot more questions than I do because he puts out a lot more, so that's good as well. I think both approaches can work. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and and I think maybe if if you think more about like trying to write around about your the the things you think, maybe that comes more across as being vulnerable in the open, right? Because like you don't have a canned answer. It's not a canned case. It's a thought that are that is still in progress in a way, right? And as such, like you're maybe you're answering something, but maybe you're still leaving quite a few things open, and maybe because of that, it's kind of like. Does this add value? Does that help anybody? Right. And maybe at that point it's just like, like is it is it worth the effort to just put out what's what's in my head? You know, and then with the risk of being, I don't know, uh attacked or like getting responsive because it's like it's still very early on, right? And I think like maybe I th I think there is still a lot of value to it. Because on the other hand, if you look at the new trend that we see now with all the things like stream live there's a lot of that to it right because like you're live you don't have the comfort the distance as you say to like mm -hmm. prepare your thoughts ahead of time because you're yeah. live you're talking as you go and unless you're like basically rehashing what you've already thought for days you will have these kind of weird quirks like you say something well i actually didn't mean that or i mean it differently or or like in the afterthought you would be like 
I could have done it differently or just skipped it, right? So maybe that is just like different uh, way to to uh, go go at it and not see blogging as has to be the you know the high polish writing style. Yep. And that would then encourage people to actually block more. Maybe that's actually yes. one of the reasons why we don't see that many people blocking as we saw back in, let's say, mid 2000s or, or 2010 timeframe, like a 10 decade ago or 10 years ago. Uh, well, maybe there was. Then we I didn't have YouTube, we didn't have Twitch, we didn't have that's TikTok, true as well. right? So it was, was more a, correct. Like it was that, either this or nothing. That's true. Yeah. That is so true. That's true. That is true. Now, Carmen, let's get back on the, your day-to-day work. Uh, that's that's a good discussion related on blocking. Um, and, and considering all of the amount of time we were actually planning on this discussion and interview, it's good that we covered all of those points, right? So... Um, <laughs> Super detailed uh, on the on the bullet points, but let's come back on, on on your day-to-day work. You mentioned that you're a power platform architect. Mm-hmm. What does that actually mean? What does architect does in the power platform? Yeah. Um, so what I do, because I think that a title doesn't say doesn't mean the same for everyone. So I will just say what I do as a power platform architect for my company um, is I help our customers to design and build the solutions in the power platform to solve their business problems. Um, so that is what we what I aim to do, which means that I have the initial conversations, what it is that they want, and then I see if that's if that if a solution to that problem can be built using the power platform, and then I support the people that will build it during the process as well and some things I still do myself as well. Yep. If, if, if I can put you a bit on the spot, what is the mm-hmm. one thing you love about Power Platform and what is the one thing that you think we should do better at Microsoft? Okay, what I love is- You can only pick one. one. You can only yeah. pick <laughs> one for okay. each. I will think a lot about the second one because there's so many. Uh, so what I love <laughs> is that you can get to results so quickly so especially when you're working with Canvas apps in Power Apps, you can just create a UI very quickly and then add functionality into that. And that is the one thing that I love because it's very impressive to see that come to life so quickly. Um, what I think can be better, or what I think is the most important improvement point um, is uh, application lifecycle management. Um, because working with solutions, it's already an improvement compared to in the very beginning when you couldn't put Canvas apps and, and flows in a solution. But still, there, there's some, there is some additional work that can be done, especially when we're looking into automating that using Azure DevOps, for example. There's a start, yeah. but it can be extended, I think. Yeah. I think the, just to elaborate on that one a bit for those who are not necessarily super familiar, right now it's quite difficult or virtually impossible to take a solution from one tenant and move it to another tenant because of the dependencies on, for example, let's say that you are a power app is, is yeah. connecting to a list in a SharePoint or whatever, and then you move it to another tenant, it, it wouldn't actually, the, the GUIs are not the same. So therefore there would be a problem. So it's not really oh, optimized for that at least yet. GUIs, yes, <laughs> of course. There's always GUIs. <laughs> yeah. Ah, but now on the can actually on the power platform you mentioned the the the, the power automate. So can you kind of elaborate for those who are not necessarily super familiar? What does the power platform actually 
contain. So what are the different pieces? We talk about, of course, Power Automate, Power Apps, PowerPoint, PowerShell. What else is in there? Uh, Power BI. PowerShell <laughs> is not part of the Power Platform, <laughs> but it, Today it I learned. has a lot of power. Thank <laughs> you, <joke>, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Um, so the Power Platform is um, four applications or four solutions within the Microsoft Cloud. Um, it's Power Apps to build applications. It's Power Automate to automate stuff, build pr uh, processes, etc. Power BI for business intelligence, building dashboards, gaining insights from your data, and Power Virtual Agents for uh, to build intelligent and uh, chatbots. Yeah, they can also and take I, action. And which of those is the the ones which are the most demanded by, or which have the most demand in the customer uh, ecosystem for now, at least? Uh, for us, it's mostly uh, Power Apps and Power Automate yeah. that we we focus on those areas as well. And what kind of solutions you are actually building? So you don't actually have to explain the obvious, like no customer names, no actual details, but what kind of things uh, are those those solutions then? Any any good, let's say, business scenario examples? What yes, people are building? Uh, yeah, we see a lot of different solutions, of course, because there's a a huge um, versatility within the platform. Um, but what we often see is that we have a canvas up for the user-facing interface, so where the bulk of the users are using a Canvas app because you can really tailor it to your needs. You can make it as intuitive as possible. Um, you can brand it according to the company guidelines. Very often combined with a model-driven app for the backend, for the back office. For example, if we're talking about um, an HR tool that the users that are would be demanding their holiday time, et cetera, they would be doing that using a Canvas app. But then the HR would use a, a model-driven app to see the overview of my uh, of the time off that is taken by a certain employee, for example. And then anything that is automated, any processes that come from that is done in Power Automate. And it's rarely that we have a standalone app or a standalone CloudFlow most of the time those things are combined. Um, you cannot, or it's more difficult to have one without the other because when you have an app, there is some automation that will need to happen, be it inputting something into an external data source, sending an email, sending a notification. And when you automate something, there is probably some front end that will start that automation. That can be simple or complex, but the two very often, um, if not always, go hand in hand. And do you also see that the apps you, you you build, like do folks use them both on the phone and the desktop or only one on the other? How do you see that? Um, most of the time we develop for one specific platform, so either a smartphone or an iPad or the desktop. Um, mm -hmm. But especially when we look at the iPad or the landscape form factor for an application, we see that both are used. But of course, if you're optimizing for a smartphone, because um, we haven't put that much effort into really going fully responsive with our applications just yet. Um, it's something mm -hmm. that we want to expand on, but it's not something that is now happening all the time that we by default go fully responsive. So we still focus on one form factor. Um, so if we then optimize for smartphone, then we don't often see that that application will actually be used on the browser or on a, on a tablet. And is that is that e easy to build an app that is adaptive to both form factors, or is it like you, you're 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 basically building 
two UIs, two apps in single app? With the containers um, that are now where you can um, place controls very easily relative to each other, and you can just say that they need to be spaced evenly in, in the height of the container, for example, um, it's easier but there is still some work that needs to be done to make sure that, for example, the action bar would move from the left to the bottom, left right, yeah. on a on a desktop yeah. to the bottom on the on a smartphone, for example. If you want that, there is still some some things that need to happen for that. Yeah. But really, so I still remember when I started doing, let's say, .NET development and forms development in .NET, which makes me look like a dinosaur. Nineteen fifty nine. No. Yeah, that was right <laughs> after the normal days. Uh, so. Yeah, <laughs> but then you were basically doing adaptive uh, relative controls, always relative on the right side, the left side, and the top. So that will basically post the the container. Is that the same way how it works in the Power Platform? For those who are not familiar. Um, so when you are working just with controls, you have an X and a Y um, yeah. coordinate that you can specify for where the bottom left corner of your control should be. So if it's a if it's a button, where the the top left corner will be, you can specify it with the X and Y coordinates and you can fix those or you can put those relative compared to whatever other control that you have on the screen or the screen itself. So you could say that it should be 10% um, of the width of the screen where the X yep. coordinate should be, for example. And with containers, if you put those into containers, then you can actually say um, that within that container, it should be spaced evenly or it should all be, it should all follow right alongside each other, or it should be centered within that container. Um, so that works a bit differently. It's a, it's a property of the container, not of the control within the container. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. But it, it almost oh, feels um, like we are adapting those. The LDR no. old ways of doing things, but in the browser. How do you feel about doing all of this in a browser? Is it a, a snappy enough for nowadays, or is it a is it something what does it actually bother you that it's happening in true browser UX? It's not happening. Uh, it's not. Um, it's not frustrating me that that it's in a browser. It, can, it is happening in a browser, of course. Um, except when I have no connection, that I'm sad because yeah. I cannot. Yeah. If I don't have internet, then I cannot work on it. Yeah. Right. But other than that, I don't have a problem with it being in the browser. I also have never developed actual code, so maybe I would feel differently. I know a colleague of mine is a code first developer and he doesn't like that the studio is not code and it's in the browser and you cannot manipulate it as much and yep. yeah so that that opinion might differ if you have coding experience but i have never known different so it's yep. i don't have an yep. issue with it <laughs> and do you do you also see the split between so i recall back in the days when i used to build build apps and there was always this split between people who would design UX and implement UX and then people who would build code. Is it still the case in Power Apps or is it more one and the same kind of group of folks who build the app or like the the people who build Power Apps apps, Power Apps, do they also build the UX or is it two different groups who work on it? For design, it's not something we do ourselves. So we create wireframes and then we outsource that to a design company to get something back that looks nice, uh, if if that's what the customer wants. Um, yeah. We can also do some improvements ourselves, but we're not design experts. But to implement that, it's the same people that build the functionality right. and that build the design into the application um, or try to okay. uh, emulate that as much as possible. 
Now, and how easy, how easy or how hard is it to implement design from somebody who has no experience? I assume. You're asking in power exactly ads. my questions. Come on, Valdek. Well, there you go. Right? Because <laughs> no, this is like no, because of the historical back, like, exactly. the, yeah, that was exactly a huge thing. Like you go to a design party, like like really experts at, in at design, and they agency, have no experience yeah. with 365, and you get something from them, and you're like, ha, huh, circles, rounded corners. How do we? So how easy is it? How how many things do you come across? Like, can't do that, can't do that, yeah. and you you need to brief them up front in order to avoid all the impossibles afterwards. Um, so we, we always work with the same company who we then give feedback. Yeah, this will not work. We cannot change the look of the scroll bar um, in, in a form <laughs> or we cannot remove that scroll bar in, in, in a form of, or something. So we give them feedback and then they take that into account for the next designs that we do. But most of the time we can make something work, especially when you expand to um, if there is a drop shadow for example, you can do that with the HTML text control because it allows you to have CSS in your, in, in, in instead of just having text in there, you can have CSS styling in there. So you can manipulate a little bit more, but there are some limitations, of course. And by now they know what most of those limitations are, like rounded right. quarters will not work on a calendar, those kinds of things. Well, Very right. sad no. that it cannot work, but... <laughs> You know, but there's always limitations now. Yeah. Now, but how does customer actually customers then approach on these things? Because um, again, those limitations. So, what we've seen in the past in the Microsoft 365, at some point, for example, in SharePoint, you had free hands. You can actually just draw anything, and and you have full mm -hmm. flexibility. And all of a sudden, we basically said, no, 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 that's not wise thing for us to do. Let's actually let's say limit down on things. And there was a massive, let's say, no, we need to still do crazy designs. How are customers actually taking these limitations? So is there a, are they against the fact that, well, why isn't it possible to do X and Y and Z? Or is it like, well, it's part of the platform and, and we can take it. And so how, how is that discussion going with customers? Uh, most of the time they are so happy with what the app looks like after we have implemented what we can from the design compared to before that they yeah. don't care about the small differences between the design that we had and what the app then eventually looks like because we can improve a lot compared to what we get out of the box and then those small discrepancies they they don't we don't we don't have we have not experienced that they have an issue with that so i think that you can if you can improve a lot already you can show that this is where we came from and this is where we are now and ideally we want to be there but the difference between where we are and where we want to be is a lot smaller than where we came from and where we yeah. are, and they're fine with right. that. I guess it's more the expectation management as a whole, yes. that there are certain limitations and it's fine, but as long as you can get to a certain level. Uh, I think in the in for, in the SharePoint area, one of the problems, what we use, I don't think that's massive delay anymore, but we what we used to have was that we had free flexibility and then we said, no, no more free flexibility. You have some flexibility. And then that freaked out the people. So uh, the expectations for those who've been around for a longer are basically that, well, we want to do whatever. You move the cheese. There you exactly. go. Don't, you yeah. don't move the cheese. There. Yeah. But it's now as you're introducing we, it. Sorry. It's one no of worry. the things that when we go to a customer and they have this idea of, let's just see what we can do. And then maybe in the future, we will do less. We always right. say, no, no. You don't want to take away things because then you get issues. You want to start yes. with a little 
and then you want to expand on that. Yeah. Um, when we, yeah. um, I, 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 I was before I did Power Platform, I did Office 365 consulting, and we, and I often did um, a Teams change track. So in the beginning, we were like, oh, everyone can create Teams, and and then at some point, we want to have a provisioning tool in place. Yeah, but this is gonna create friction because now I can just click a button and the team is there and then suddenly I have to go through this whole process. So yep. it's something that you need to be aware of. And if you can, then you should do it upfront. You want to limit and then you can give more. But if you take things away, it's always um, difficult. Yeah, that's yeah. human behavior for sure. Yeah. Now, from a timing perspective, uh, I think we need to we're close soon. Uh, we are on time, but I do want to have uh, ask one question because we always do this, but especially with women in IT. You're a women in IT, and we want to absolutely uh, increase the diversity and the acceptance of the IT for women and make sure that it's it's a fully equal ecosystem, regardless of your background and where you're coming from. Um, do you have any tips for other women in IT who are, or let's say, a younger persons who are looking into moving potentially in IT and don't feel comfortable of going there because of the, let's say, gender dividers? Uh, any thoughts on that? Uh, don't be defined by your gender, because I'm I'm a woman, but I've never. Well, it's not true that I've never experienced any different treatment because I have it's true it, it's there there is a difference there in, in how you are looked at how you are regarded how you are treated um, and if you feel like that is happening then reach out to another woman you can always reach out to me I'm open to that if there if you have you as a woman you have any issues as a man as well but then depends on the issue whether I can help you or not or whether I can give you some insight or not of course yep. Um, but don't let that define you, because I think that we are more than women. We are just human and we are all human. And I believe that the difference that between how typical men approach things and how a typical woman approaches things, that can be beneficial as well. Um, because, yes, we are all human, but we have differences, of course. There are differences between people as well and how different people view things can help the solution. And I think how different genders view things can help advance the community, the technology, the ecosystem as well. Yeah, and that's absolutely the beauty of the diversity. And, and it's not just the yeah. gender, it's also the regions no, and country everything. and where people are coming from, because then people have a different mindset. And then embracing that different mindset is really then giving a lot of sparks and ideas and, oh, that's a great idea. I never thought about that one because I come from this background. And then embracing that rather than being, no, no, no. We're doing this, so yep. it's it's always good. So thank you, Carmen, for that one. So really, really good. I guess from a timing perspective, uh, we're trying to keep this online uh, from a timing perspective. It would be good uh, to continue discussion, but we'll get you uh, invited on the chat for sure uh, in the future as well. Maybe in the whatever season we're, I don't even know where <laughs> which season we're right now. So. <laughs> Sometime in the future. Uh, we're in winter future. in, so in the, the Northern <laughs> Hemisphere, we are, we are, we are on winter. In su Southern That's Hemisphere, true. it is summer, I guess. Is that it? is true. Which is, by the way, so weird. There you go. Yes, there is, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, so thank you, Carmen, for joining us uh, this time. Thank you, a uh, really good discussion and congratulations one more time uh, for the MVP status. And hopefully we'll get more MVPs across all of the different features uh, in the future as well. But thank you for joining. 
and let's stay in touch. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Bye. Bye-bye. Cool. So Thank you, Carmen, one more time. Uh, great discussion. Um, and you needed to, <laughs> sorry for keeping you a bit longer than <laughs> suggested because you, you actually did have another meeting coming up. <laughs> so sorry for that. But uh, crude discussion uh, on, on the Power Platform and what does that mean in practice? Um, it's, it's actually one of the great things about having these interviews is also learning new things about yourself, right, Waldek? So it's, it's always like, ooh, there's one question I always wanted to ask. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And I mean, it's just, it's always great to hear from folks like their journey, what they went through and how they look at things because it's, yeah. it's exactly as you say, like different people have different perspectives, backgrounds, and it's really cool to learn like how do they see the things that we surround or we were surrounded with for a long time already. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that, that's one of the big challenges of being working in this area for <laughs> too long. Well, a long time, not too long necessarily, <laughs> but but it's it's you're kind of a you you know what's happening. You're all up to date uh, in this area, and then having a new fresh perspectives on things is is super super valuable. So and yeah. reminding that quite often what we talked about this one with the community group quite a lot that we're living in this bubble when you're meeting people who knows the technology and knows about those things and then having a reminder of, hey, different perspectives. So I, I yeah. didn't know about that background information. How would you know? Well, good point. How would you? So, yeah, and also so the way we navigate the space, right? Because like you know where to go, where not to go, what are the different shortcuts, where are the gaps, you navigate around them and then you have yeah. someone new to it and you're like, why is this that way? And you're like, well, huh. Good point. <laughs> so it's not always as self-evident why things are the way they are and yep. what these things are, right? So yep. as I said, like these are very good good reminders to like always keep in mind journey for a new person because every day new people start with M365 and they start start building things and they genuinely want to do things and we need to ensure that we give them a great experience. Absolutely, absolutely, and not a, not really an isolated experience across the different things. Rather, hey, what is this all about, and what is the overall yeah. story? Rather than uh, super super isolated on on different areas. But anyway, we have a lot of articles to go through, so let me actually jump on them. Um, so, so let's, let's go just through them quickly, quickly, not rushing, but uh, go through quickly. the main <laughs> articles now. We're not going to deep dive on the monthly summaries for Microsoft Teams and SharePoint, but there's, those are both out. Uh, which are, these are super, super valuable uh, summaries from an end user, administrative, and actually developer perspective uh, quite often as well on what's actually happening, what's the latest and greatest on the uh, on the on the different features and functionalities. Just to call out actually a simple thing, but so powerful thing uh, is the, the the order of raised hands uh, is now coming up as well. So you can actually see who uh, who was the first, who was the second. Now, technically we had the order already, but now it's explicitly saying one, two, three, four, five. So it's super clear that who was the first, who was the second, who was the third. Um, so which is, really, really valuable so that you don't accidentally say another person's opinions first when they were not the first and all of that stuff. So so taking everybody into account in a meeting, super cool. Yeah. 
Now, on the SharePoint side of the house, again, same thing, uh, super super nice summary from Mark Cashman related on the new features and capabilities and also related functionalities. So as an example, uh, talking about already the loop components in here. And of course, loop components is something what we will see gradually being extended across the Microsoft 365 platform for sure. So it is a really cool technology and a lot of excitement on that as well. Now, uh, let's go then in here uh, on the Microsoft 365 developer platform uh, blog, a few of the new blog posts uh, from Sakuya Ulach, uh, Teams JS SDK v2, public review update, Teams apps in the Outlook web. So this is really the new version of the Teams uh, JavaScript SDK, which will give you easier single sign-on, easier access on information. And more importantly, it actually gives you the access uh, of exposing the same application in uh, Office clients and that you are exposing in the Teams. And that's actually really cool. So there's, we're getting more and more aligned on using a one unified, uh, let's say, model for exposing your SaaS applications across the Microsoft 365 stack, which is really, really cool. So building on the success of Teams uh, manifest and Teams thinking of, let's just use the same model in Office, uh, which makes perfect sense. Uh, so how do we expose the information in there as well? So really cool stuff for sure. Uh, now in preview, uh, available, and there's actually, if you open up a Teams toolkit and if you create a solution from the Teams toolkit with this existing sample, there's an existing sample uh, which is built on using this model. So you can test it out in Outlook as well, which is quite cool. Now, uh, have you had a chance of testing this, by the way? I haven't, because that came out just like two yeah, days that, before that I left, that, that I left a holiday yes. break, so I didn't have the ability. But it is a cool, like if you have this use case to be able to expose the same app across Teams, Outlook, and our um, surfaces, this is a great way to do it, right? Because it, you don't need to build a whole new app. You can expose the same app, which saves you a lot of code and maintenance and effort. So it's yep. definitely for everybody who's building these apps and like this is a new way for you to even think about them, that these apps don't need to be anymore locked just within Teams, but can also be shown in other areas as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and well, technically already team solutions can be exposed to such in SharePoint, by the way. So they work already in yeah, V1 in definitely. SharePoint. But then the, the idea here is that we're getting more and more across to Microsoft 365 uh, and aligned with the stories. It's in preview now, heading yeah. to GAs later on. So there's no uh, date which we can publish for now or share for now. So, And we don't want to accidentally share any dates because, hey, so they might be adjusted. Who knows? Now, um, there was a blog post from Nick uh, related on Microsoft Craft Data Connect. Uh, Nick is really the, the, let's say, the advocate uh, for Microsoft Craft Data Connect and, and talks about it and talks about it. And this really focuses on demystifying the user scopes and really about how do we uh, target the specific tenant level or in a specific user scope level as we're using the Microsoft Craft Data Connect, so exporting data from the Microsoft 365. And then we had a new blog post, two of them actually from the Microsoft Craft uh, or updates in the Microsoft Craft side uh, on the Bookings API. So the Bookings API is in V1 endpoint and also new features in the Booking API. So really good uh, to get that one in supported mode. So it's not no longer in beta, it's in V1 side of the house. 
On the Microsoft 365 community blog site, uh, Chandani had a really nice blog post on how to convert HTML content or a file to PDF using Muhimbi API. To be fair, I wasn't familiar with Muhimbi API. I had no idea that what it is, um, but technically, nice blog post on using an external API within SharePoint Framework solution to export, for example, HTML. So if you have, for example, a table uh, which you want to export as a PDF, not as the whole page, but a section of the page, and um, the, the Muhimbi API actually gives access on that. That's actually pretty cool. So quite useful scenario for sure. Huge. And then we had Gary uh, had a new blog post from this weekend, CLI for Microsoft 365 v4.3. And uh, do you want to talk about this one, Waldek? Totally. So we released a um, new version of CLI for Microsoft 365, version 4.3, uh, with, again, updates, new commands. I think the most noteworthy are the um, ability to upgrade your SharePoint framework projects to v one fourteen zero beta 4, which is currently in preview. Let me see what's more. We have new commands for working with AAD apps. And also the one interesting point there, we introduced a command that allows you to get permission list of your AAD app. And with your AAD app, we mean with that the ability to, like when you create project, imagine you built an M365 app. For that app, you need to register an AAD app to basically expose your app in the Microsoft Cloud, to basically have a contract where it says, this is your app, this is the URL, this is the type of app permission that it needs and so forth and so on. And with CLI for M365, we allow you to store that info in your project. So we create a file with uh, the ID of the app. And with that, we want to give you uh, the ability to really easily manage that app from command line, as opposed to you need to go to AADD portal, uh, you need to find your app in there, find the right links. We want to simplify all of that, allowing you to just run a command and do whatever you need to do. So the first step was for us to be able to show you permissions that currently your AAD app for your project has set up. Over time, we'll add more commands allowing you to adjust the redirect URI, add permissions, remove them, and so forth and so on. So typically covering scenarios that developers need to do while working on their apps, right? So you yep. will see us add that over time. Um, another thing that it's uh, coming towards end of February is a V5, where we will move away from the AAD graph and move to the Microsoft graph. So in the past, we had this API called AAD graph that allow you to manage a few things on AAD. That API will be deprecated if off the top of my head in June 22. So to be ahead of that, we want to move all commands that used AAD Graph to Microsoft Graph, which is the new API, the go-to API to work on that. And with yep. that, we'll release a V5 that will break a few things, but we want to be basically ahead of the, the time and you will be able to upgrade that already ahead of the time so that everything you've built will keep working. Yep, makes perfect sense. Cool. Now, and then a lot of lot of community articles and, and blog posts within the past like three weeks because we've been on a break. So first of all, Alex Terentiev, uh, who claims to be an MVP still, he's, he's nowadays Microsoft employee, but uh, async render uh, in the SPFX web part. So really cool blog post about how to make those things happen and how do you render the, the web part in an asynchronous way. So a really, really useful uh, blog post. Pete Skelly uh, from uh, Treeble, yes. 
Retrieval. Uh, uh, had a, a really good blog post of inventory Microsoft 365 guest signing activity with CLI for Microsoft 365. So quite actually common scenario well, which people might actually want to know. So how many external guests are signing in and accessing information in our tenant? And this is then using the uh, the Microsoft Craft endpoints uh, for getting information around that. So really cool, cool uh, blog post for sure. Thank you, Pete, on that one. Wonder Laura, uh, so Laura Rogers. Uh, good blog post related on uh, build a Power Apps Waffle menu uh, five, in a five ways. So for the Power Apps, how would you do this kind of a Waffle menu selection? Um, so good blog post on that one. So really very cool uh, options and different options how to do that and, and how they are being exposed. And then uh, April Dunham uh, had a really nice blog post and a video related on uh, Power Apps UI design process. So how would you design uh, the, the UI for the Power Apps? I'm, I'm using exactly the same words as in the title, explaining what the title is all about. That's super useful, isn't yes. it? So. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> but yeah, clear, so right? there's a blog post, uh, blog post, and then there's a associated video uh, from uh, April on that one. Really cool stuff as well, supporting the Power Apps uh, design model. Uh, there was also a new blog post from AC, Andrew Connell uh, in Voitanos related on understanding difference SharePoint project generator related packages. So basically focusing on what's in the output of the packages um, and what does the, those means. Um, so that's actually in the uh, in the Voitanos blog, uh, but that's coming from the uh, AC site, which probably link actually directly this one, right? Yeah. Yes. Easier that way. Yes. But the focus is on the, on the SPFX, yes, focuses on the SPFX solution and then also uh, what are these individual packages and how they will behave and all of that stuff. So really cool stuff from him. And there was a good blog post from Sergei Sergeyev, uh, building BMP provision in Notifier bot. He did a absolutely awesome community call demo on this one as well last Thursday, uh, which was really, really cool. So basically, as you have a automation processes for provisioning assets in Microsoft 365, how can we use Microsoft Teams bot to indicate the progress and update the things? And it's taking advantage of uh, adaptive cards and a few other things. So really, really cool stuff. And then updating existing status, uh, updating things. So for example, in here we can see it's step number four out of 13. So we're basically updating the card on the fly rather than posting a new card, which yeah. would be not that optimal. So yeah, really cool stuff. Um, and then uh, Abby had a blog post around run the CLI for Microsoft 365 with Power Toys Run. Is this something on Mac OS? Power Toys is win <laughs> Windows. Power Toys, we like, you should know about it. There, there is no Power Toys for Mac. Yes, you should. Yeah, that's true. That it is, is on Windows. Yeah. And how do we actually run the CLI uh, for Microsoft 365 there? And how do we use it? What are the configuration options uh, there as well? So thank you, Abby, on that one. And let's definitely do some epic stuff. Huge. <laughs> Marcus Miller from Avenate had a awesome blog post related on SharePoint File Explorer based on managed metadata and SPFX. So basically a structural, how do we render things? And then as you click one of the, the, the trees, how do you render stuff on the, which are in that, uh, that tree or based on the metadata? So this is actually a really um, nice blog branch. post. Yeah. yeah. So really nice blog post yeah. related on filtering and rendering data based on the right metadata. So cool stuff from him. Um, really cool blog post from this guy called Waldeck. Um, looks quite young, doesn't he? 
Uh, yeah, well, he was 12 in there. He had yes. to ask, ask parents for approval to, uh, um, to put <laughs> it on. Plucking. Yes. Yeah. 18 months in the, in the Microsoft does bring it gray hair, right? <laughs> so. Yeah, totally. No. <laughs> but easily show files as a card using Microsoft Craft Toolkit and H2O. What does this mean? Can you explain this? Totally. So um, often we have a requirement to build an app and show less files, recent files, my files as a card. Because card gives yeah. it this ability to, in a uh, compact way, show info about a file, like thumbnail, author, the location, when it was changed, and so forth and so on. So we use the card UI from H2O, which is a community-driven uh, version of Fluent UI design from Microsoft. And then with Microsoft Graph Toolkit, we have the ability to do it in simple way. So we need to first get files from M365, and we do that through Microsoft Graph. Then we need to get info about it, um, show the thumbnail, get the location, and so forth and so on. And originally, right, I had a version of, of the article and the app that required some code. And that is exactly the code you're showing now on the screen, which was a page A4 a of JavaScript code because yep. we couldn't Loading surface everything things. that we needed in MGT. Yeah. Recently, though, there was an update to MGT that eliminates almost all of that code. So all we need now is HTML, and we can express in there that we need a file from the file. We need thumbnail. We will get thumbnail image if it's available or not, and we can yeah. express the different states that we want to do. Like if there is a file, we want to do that. While we are waiting on a file, we want to show this. If there is error or there is no image, we want to do that. So we can express all of that in HTML, yeah. minimizing the amount of custom code we need to write and also things like handling errors, exceptions, handling errors. Like we need to do, we don't need to do all of that anymore because all of that is handled to us or for us by MGT. So that is really great benefit there because you can focus on building your app as opposed to plumbing. Yeah. And, and one thing to call out here is that I'm going to ask the question, even though I know the answer. What's the H2O uh, part? I don't see any H2O controls in here. How does that work? H2O is CSS only, basically, in this case, right? So on top, there is a line. So we don't have the numbers of lines in here, but it's line number four, exactly, where we reference H2O. So with that, we get CSS. And with CSS, we control how things look like in this app. So we yeah. get the concept of a card, which we get by attaching specific classes to elements uh, in HTML. And with that, yep. we get the notion of a card, the notion of a um, locate or title, uh, card info, author, yep. and so forth, and so on. Yeah, H2O is an HTML-based definition of the Microsoft Fluent, so which, which unfortunately, Microsoft doesn't actually provide. So Microsoft doesn't provide the Fluent UI design as an HTML CSS files. So. Correct. So we only offer things like colors, font topography, uh, icons, and then the controls are available only in React. Yeah, that is true. Now, moving on, I think, Fortman Desponte from the Valo Solutions, not Valo Intrant anymore, Valo Solutions. Not um, Valo. Uh, no, also, isn't it a sta sta staff base? Yep. No, no. Staff base owns Valo, but it's still an individual uh, gotcha. company. So. Gotcha. <laughs> To clarify for, for, for those who are wondering. Here. So building Microsoft Teams, uh, bots sending custom data 
from adaptive card button to the bot. So a really nice uh, summary on that one as well. Uh, a, a blog post how things uh, are working and how do you do that uh, behavior. So from the custom button, how do we send specific things to the bot and reacting on that one. So really cool stuff as well. And then uh, Abby had a blog post about maturity model of Microsoft Teams development, uh, which is really, really cool topic as well. Um, so technically there's different maturity levels of customers and how they're approaching Microsoft 365 development and having this kind of a processes and alignments will always help on the on the messaging and, and help on the training and the, the storyline on on helping people to get more up to date on what start of possible. So yeah, and also better know where you are and what is the logical next step for Correct. where you could go, right? Correct. So that, that you're not trying to go from step one to five directly because yeah. there's also two, three, and four in between that make yeah. more sense and which you should take into account before you take this huge leap, skipping a few things in between, right? Absolutely. So that, that is also so a useful way to look at it. Absolutely, absolutely. And then there was a blog post from Martin Lingus. Martin. Yeah, Martin uh, contributed actually first time in the CLI for Microsoft 365. And this is really a blog post around getting started on contributing and the behavior and the, the, the experience on doing that. And, and he seemed to be happy on, on contributing, so which is good. Uh, good job totally. for the CLI for Microsoft 365 team also being welcoming for the contributions because that's that's a big part of the open source is actually making that connection with the people who are willing to, to contribute. Uh, three more. Uh, we had a Michael Mallet uh, had a apply a DevOps process for SPF projects part one. So how do we do SPF DevOps um, ALM? Well, there's so many terms of uh, DevOps is the is the, the latest term uh, of the stuff ALM, and then there was the software lifecycle processes was the term at some point, and so anyway. But. Anyway, yes, yes, a lot of opinions on the right terminology, I know. But <laughs> talking about the, the deployment and testing and uh, uh, automation of things uh, as you're building stuff for SPFX, that's that's what this is all about. And then uh, Arjun Menon had a nice blog post about export Microsoft Teams chat conversations using PowerShell. So uh, basically storing information from the Microsoft Teams chats and, and exporting that in PowerShell and getting it out from there. Now, there are features coming into the Microsoft Teams which are doing some of this automatically, but this is a good technology uh, demo as well. How would I connect to the Microsoft Teams meeting and then save that discussion as a uh, external file using Microsoft Graph, of course, behind of the scenes. So really cool stuff. And then as a final blog post, uh, presents notification with Microsoft Graph SDK version four from Paolo. Uh, so talking about how to get started. Uh, Paolo's video are really, really good because they're typically right-sized. So they are not super long and then focuses on, on the key points of how to make things happen um, case by case. Exactly, like you heard it first here. The right size is seven minutes, 12 seconds. <laughs> 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 Well, it's pretty close, right? It's uh, yeah, it's of course debatable, but the longer videos are <laughs> not necessarily that much viewed because the problem is that then people are typically always looking for solutions. So oh yeah, oh, yeah, yes and no. So by coincidence, just the other day I saw a thread. I think that was on Reddit where folks were like, no, no, like I deliberately want videos that are hour out. Hour and a half because they do a deep dive. I don't want snacks sure. that are like that's fair. throwing me me a little bit here, a little bit there, and then make yeah. Me we shouldn't generalize. Assemble fair everything. 
Yes. Right. So depending on what you need and what you're looking for, well, there is room for long form yep. and the long videos. Basically the same way, you know, like in the past we had events, in-person events. Like, wow, yep. that's a long time ago. <laughs> yes. Our sessions, you know, breakout sessions. Our, our, breakout our sessions. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. There you go. Like there is room for these and then there's room sure. for these. Like I want to show you how to fix this one thing here. Yep. Let's go. That is true. 20 minutes. That's tops. true. That's true. That is a good point. So yeah, we shouldn't generalize what is the right size. There's a there's a this meaning and and place for every single Exactly. There's no right size. medium, there's no right format. There is exactly. just exactly. Exactly. There is room for There's a lot of opinions, of course, yourself. but hey, everybody ha can yeah. have an opinion. So that's fine. So I know that here are three ways to get your content out there. <laughs> <laughs> Here are the best three ways, right? So yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Based on whose opinion? Based on what is the best Doesn't practice matter. again? <laughs> cool. So what's happening this week? Well, like anything interesting? Uh, this week, as people are coming back from the holiday break, I'm expecting there will be more influx of catching up and planning. Uh, yep. Personally, I spent the last few days going through everything that I was doing that I think will come to try to align and it's like, where do I spend my energy? So trying to be more intentional and more plan more, have a better overview of what are the different things on my plate yep. and what I want to do versus what I don't want to do intentionally, deliberately to you mean being spend more energy on a few things as opposed to spread myself thin across the board. Yeah. Being, being, being essentialist, right? So... <laughs> Yes, so that yes, that is driven by by a book that I read over the last few yeah. weeks, which is basically about that. Like you can try to I do everything, the juggle weekend, twenty well, balls so. in the air, yeah. And it's like, well, you can do that, and then be really like spread thin and burned out, and have the feeling that you, that the things you do don't matter, or choose a few things and do just them, and then say intentionally no to everything else, which is yep. hard at first, but on the other hand, like that's what needed, right? Yeah. That yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now I think it's the, pretty much the same for me. We're doing a lot of locking down for the semester planning uh, for and I think I'm in the four or five different that that's the downside of my my role is pretty <laughs> connected. <laughs> so I always getting uh, opinions on multiple teams. They can isolate their work on a specific thing, but then I'm the one the connection between them and the other ones and then translating why they, why they are doing that because we need to do this. No, no, no. Would they do that because of blah blah? So it's it's well, an interesting. Maybe that is also this this role, right? And I guess like maybe yeah, exactly. maybe it's not exactly. not right or wrong. Just saying, this is my role. My role is to connect teams yeah, to that ensure is, that yeah, absolutely people are connected. Absolutely. And you're looking differently at, at your work, right? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So, but it's it's interesting. So there's there's a lot of locking down on what's happening uh, before build uh, across the teams, and and well, not just because before build, but before the summer break, uh, so locking down. Build what's is happening still a few months away, right? I guess it's a few months away. Yeah, so that's true. Yeah, uh, and then when blood. when can we expect SharePoint Framework one for fourteen? Uh, Light years, months, weeks. 
weeks. Weeks. So I, I can pretty much uh, weeks. most likely we'll we'll get a new beta out this week. There wasn't actually that too many things in 1.14 based on the beta feedback for now. And then uh, most likely release within two weeks. That would be the right timeline. And uh, the, the fact that we changed some of the templates in SPFX means that there will be a lot of significant changes on docs because of the outputs of the templates are no longer the same. But and not we didn't see a significant amount of, let's say, uh, issues related on the beta uh, testing within the past weeks, which is good. So, cool. That is but cool. That is a meeting later today at 9 p.m. on my time when we're going to talk about what's actually happening and when. So, woo! Hey, woo! Curious. Anyway, I'm curious. Good to be back on the on the show. Good to be back on the business. Thank you, Waldek, for joining once again. Thank you, Carmen, uh, once again for joining us on the discussion and the first call of the 2022 uh, i guess that's yeah. it and we'll be back next week we'll be back next week thanks everybody for watching and listening and we'll be back cheers bye-bye thank you bye